Hey, good morning, Liquid Church. Great to see you guys. I uh, want to welcome you for the final week, part four of our series, Breathing Room. Have you enjoyed this? What we're, yeah, it's kind of fun, right? Like a lot of people are really putting things into practice. What we're doing is we're kind of clearing the clutter from our crowded, uh, over-busy, hurried lives. And uh, it's 2020. It's not just a new year. It's a new decade. And what we said is as a church, we want more breathing room to enjoy life and enjoy God, be present to him, our families, and each other. Speaking of our family, let's welcome the rest of our campuses joining us today. Glad you guys are here. Thrilled. Welcome all our campuses or church online. Um, some of you have been participating uh, in our churchwide fast for 21 days. Uh, we're almost there. We got a week to go. Uh, many of you doing a digital detox. Is anybody else fasting from social media? All right, Instagram, Facebook, e email, whatever it is. Uh, very liberating, isn't it? Uh, it is. Like, in fact, let me show you something cool. I never thought this would happen. Let me show you my daily screen time. It's now down to 59 minutes a day which I thought never happened. I was at four hours a day. Yeah, I'll take that, thanks. <laughs> Encouragement, four hours a day in the fall. But now it's under an hour. And some of you have said that to me. You're like, hey, Tim, you know, I, I, I'm fasting from screen time. And wow, like my mind is less fragmented and distracted. Uh, I'm sleeping better. I'm not frying my brain with blue screen every time, you know, I, I stay up late looking at that. And, and when I wake up, I actually reach for my Bible and read God's text message to me versus, you know, start texting everybody else. It changes my whole outlook on the day. And what we're doing is we're pairing that digital detox with quiet time with God. I had a guy just tell me, he said, I found my Aramos, my quiet place, you know. And he said, I'm just kind of making room every morning for silence and solitude. I want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit before I start yelling on Twitter and all that stuff. What these are are just core disciplines for followers of Christ. And I want to encourage those of you who are doing a, uh, uh, the Daniel fast. Anybody doing the Daniel fast? Make some noise if you've been doing uh, that. Okay, basically, yeah, everyone's like tired. I'm like, you're like, dude, no more hummus. Stop the hummus, right? These are folks who've been giving up like sweets and, you know, caffeine and alcohol and uh, eating clean. Fruits, vegetables, water. Personally, I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm like, I am craving pepperoni pizza, like big time, amen? Uh, well, we got one week to go, and I just want to let you know, you can do this, guys. I want to challenge you, finish your fast strong, okay? Because what you're doing is in January, you're planting seeds that I believe God's going to bless later this year. You're going to see a harvest for that. And next uh, Sunday, here's the kind of the fun news. We're going to break the fast together on Super Bowl Sunday, all right? So you can, yeah, you can have your hot wings and nacho cheese and you go to town, man. Actually, just, I'm kind of kidding. Be careful, all right? I just to say this. If you've been fasting, you may want to kind of ease back in or you will miss halftime in the bathroom. So <laughs> as your pastor... Let me encourage you. I want you to think this week, okay, before the fast ends. Here's a question. What new habits do you want to carry forward this year? Like, like out of the things we've been learning, what new forwards, habits do you want to say, you know, I want to make this a lifestyle. Like you've proved it's possible to live, you know, without caffeine or sweets or alcohol. Maybe you're like, you know, maybe I don't go back. Or maybe I limit my intake only to weekends, right? Where it's like, hey, I'm during the week, but then, you know, Friday, Saturday... See, habits, we are, we are starting to form, they become disciplines or practices that are life-giving to our soul. Same with social media. What new habits do you want to carry forward when the fast ends? Like for me, since deleting, you know, Instagram and Facebook and email off my phone, I'm just like, I've found I have been able to think more deeply, uh, do more creative work. 
I'm less distracted. I'm more present to people, whether I'm in a meeting or, or at home. I want to keep those guardrails in my life so that those good things, these are, th- these are good things, food, social media, whatever, they don't dominate my life. Get it? Does that make sense? And I want to keep my soul uncluttered and available to God. So I want you to pray about it. Ask God this week. Just say, hey, Lord, what new disciplines are forming in my life that you want me to carry forward? Because what we've looked at are ancient rhythms that followers of Jesus have used for 2,000 years. We started by looking at the discipline of silence and solitude. And then last Sunday, I taught you about the discipline known as Sabbath, right? This work-life rhythm that is actually sustainable and can keep peace and joy and delight in your work, not just a daily grind. Now today I want to teach you about a spiritual practice known as simplicity. Can everyone say this word? Simplicity. The reason why I want to teach you, it means simplicity simply means to learn to live on less. And here's why. I don't want your life to look like this, okay? Where everything is just kind of, you know, cluttered and it's like, you know, oh, oh, awesome. Harry Potter DVDs from 1995. Uh, you know, that's just what we need. You know, all this, all this stuff that like, it just kind of clutters your life. And we said, this is kind of funny in the sense that, you know, it's all right thing for your closet to look like this. Uh, by the way, some, most of the ladies are just like, oh, most of the guys are like, what? <laughs> you know, right? It's a big deal here, right? It's okay for your closet or your attic or like your garage to look like this, but it's not cool if your, your family calendar looks like that. Where everything's just kind of jammed together and it's so like overwhelming and you're running here and there and it's cluttered and it's crushed in. You're not enjoying any of it. It's no fun when your, your time, your schedule look like this and you're running around just kind of just Ubering your kids and all this. And let me tell you something. This is no fun if your finances look like this. Like, like everything is jammed in and we buy more stuff and I hope I got money for that. And I, th- I didn't quite pay for this one. And, it, and all of a sudden at some point it comes crashing down because there's no financial breathing room. At some point, I believe every follower of Christ actually needs to say these words. Enough is enough. I don't need to buy more. I don't need to spend more. I don't need to get more. I don't need, I don't need more to be happy. I have enough. Enough is enough. Here's what I want you to do. That's to tell my message. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I just want you to say, enough is enough. I want you to get your pointer finger out, <laughs> poke him in the shoulder, and go, enough is enough. Enough is enough. <laughs> All right? That's the title of my message today. I, I think this is going to be liberating to you. Because just like you need to say, hey, enough, in your schedule, in your time, If you want to live into the freedom that Jesus Christ died to give you, you have to actually say enough is enough with your money and your stuff. You know why? Because we're learning that life is better with (sighs) breathing room. Sam, who said that? Someone over here just goes, that's my closet. (laughs) Such a judger. That's hilarious. It's awesome. It's like this. This is my closet. Some of you are like, I didn't know Tim was a cross-dresser. That's like... This is actually my, this is my wife's closet, okay? Because she's a minimalist. She's like, I can't deal with the clutter, Tim. I got to have things. Oh, a little simpler with breathing room. Because you know what? Breathing room is amazing, especially when it comes to like your finances. Let me tell you what breathing room is. It's the space, we said, between your current pace and your limits. This is the definition we started with. We said it's kind of how fast you're going, how much you're spending, and your limits, and when it comes to our stuff, it's really the space between how much of your income you're kind of, you know, just spending on, on living and your limits. 
Financial breathing room means you don't actually spend it all. You say, I'm going to live on less because you know what? I want some breathing room. I got money at the end of the month and I'm not scrambling to pay minimum credit card debt. It's a miracle. Some of you are like, that can't happen in New Jersey, Tim. I I know, I got you. I live where you do. My wife and I both work. And, And we all love this idea, like a breathing room. But here's the problem. We don't live here. We live in America. And America is a culture of more. Everyone say more. The American gospel says this, the more stuff you have, the happier you'll be, okay? If you can just get that, that, you know, new dress or that new clothes or uh, let's see what we got in here. Oh, this is a tuxedo shirt. This, look at this sweet action right here. That is, JP, this is you. This is all, happy birthday, bro. Happy birthday. It's early to you, okay? If we, (laughs) if we, come on, Gordon Crawford, come on. I'll see you over there, bro. Come on, all right? We say, if, we, if we, I just had a little bit more, if I just had, I'm just kind of joking about this stuff, but like, if I just had like, you know, the new golf club or the new, oh man, the new pair of Air Jordans, that would go so sweet, man. My, my, my drip, no way, bro, keeping those. Go with my drip right there, forget it. And I know, I know I got seven pair, but just is one more, one more, right? Not me, I don't have seven, JP has seven, but, but I'm just saying, right? We just like more equals more happiness. Or maybe clothes isn't your jam. Maybe you're just like, you know, upgrade my laptop. This one has LED on the keyboard or, or, uh, or oh, I just, I want a potted succulent, you know, everywhere in the house. <laughs> then I'll finally be happy, right? Guys, you are exposed to, as an American, 4,000 advertisements a day. Trying to convince you one thing, happiness is just one Click, click, away. In fact, I found something fascinating this week in my research. Um, As Americans, we're actually having a little problem. We have so much stuff we don't need, we are now officially running out of storage units because we can't fit it all in our home. Do you know this? Storage units are now a $38 billion a year industry because Americans have so much stuff we require, check this out, 2.3 billion square feet of storage space for our stuff. You know how much that is? That's enough to house our entire nation in storage units. Seven by seven square feet for every man, woman, and child in America. How crazy is that? That's nuts, right? Like Americans, we rarely say enough is enough. It's like we need more, more clothes, more devices, more gadgets. We want more, collect more, hoard more. Even though we know it's a lie, we all know, like, I mean, more stuff does not equal more happy. In fact, what if in reality, more stuff actually means less, like less time, less joy, less financial freedom, less generosity, which Jesus says is actually the source of, of true joy in life. What if, what if more stuff means more stress, more stuff, less peace as you rush to the mall before it closes? What if it means like more worry, more friction in your family, like Like, uh, you guys know this intuitively. Like, if you're married, I'll give you a choice. What would you rather have? Ready? A happy marriage or a horrible marriage with cool cars? (laughs) Right? Like a home filled with with cool, with, oh, man, it's all cool stuff, you know, but but there's no peace and harmony in our house. Because when the bills come due and we can't pay for it all, we got all this stuff, but but no, no peace, no prayer, less room for real relationships. I think we all know this. Money does not equal happiness. In fact, it can quickly ramp up the stress and the pressure in your relationships. 
In Luke chapter 12, Jesus told a story about storage units, believe it or not. You can turn there in your Bible. This is kind of a funny story. It's a parable. It's very short. And here's what Jesus said, just to enter into this. He said this. He said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to what? Store by crop. So Jesus is like, hey, there's a farmer. He had a bumper crop. He had a big harvest. But Jesus said he's got a problem. He ran out of room, right? He's like, I got all this stuff, but my closets are full. You know, the basement is full. But I got all my snowboarding gear in the garage. I can't, you know. Okay. Verse 18. Then he said, watch, this is awesome. This is what I'll do. He's got an idea. I will tear down my barns and build what? Say it together, church. Bigger ones. He's an American. <laughs> And then I will store my surplus grain. Like that is classic kind of like mega-sized, super-sized thinking. In other words, it didn't even occur to this guy, Jesus says, that, hmm, maybe I have too much. No, maybe I should have a bigger house, right? He's like, build a bigger barn, put an addition on the back. I got to store all this stuff, rent a storage unit, fit it all in. It sounds good. Verse 19, listen to Jesus. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain, Laid up for many years. Here's, here's his plan. Let's read this. This is good. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and we're going to Margaritaville, right? This guy's like, I got a retirement plan. I got, dude, I'm checking this off. I got a house. I got a car. I got a 401k. I got a timeshare at Disney. I am, I'm all, eat, drink, be merry, man. I'm all set. <laughs> now, how many know a zinger is coming, right? Jesus delivers the zinger. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Jesus is like, a uh, reality check. You spent your whole life hoarding all this stuff for yourself? Like tonight you're going to meet God face to face and all this crap is going to end up in the landfill or somewhere in the garbage. Like Jesus said, when you meet God tonight, what are you going to say to him? Gulp. And then Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for who? Themselves, but is not rich towards God. In other words, Jesus says, there is a direct connection between our stuff and our spirituality. The things that we buy and consume in our relationship with Christ. It's like they're on a string. They're connected. More stuff, less peace. More clutter, more stress. But watch this. The opposite is true. Less stuff, less anxiety. <laughs> a settled soul that says, you know what? Enough is enough. Like, I, I have enough. I've got clothes to wear. I've got a roof over my head. I've got simple food to eat. I don't actually need more to be happy. In fact, I'm blessed with what God gave me. In fact, I feel content. Oh, there's a word Americans don't like to say. Let's say it together. Contentment. This is a powerful, powerful concept. Paul wrote a letter to a young guy named Timothy. He had given advice how to follow Jesus. And he talked a lot about contentment. Listen to what Paul wrote. But godliness... With contentment is what? Great gain. In other words, there's all these secret blessings. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be what? 
content with that. How many basic needs did Paul mention? Two, right? He's like, hot meal, warm clothes, I'm good. <laughs> He's like, I came into the world with nothing. I'm leaving with none of this stuff. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus, at some point, Paul says, you got to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? I'm good. I don't need one more pair of shoes. I don't need strappy heels. I don't need whatever it is for you, another toy in my garage, another lens for my camera. I don't need another stamp on my passport. I'm good. I have enough. Enough is, in fact, come to think of it, Christ is enough. If all this stuff was stripped away, and it will be someday, and I leave this world the way I came in, naked and trembling, guess what? Jesus is enough, because I'll always have him. So I'm good. I'm content. My soul is satisfied. And so I'm going to embrace simplicity. See, if materialism is the cancer, simplicity is the cure. Now, what is simplicity? What a lot of people in culture call minimalism. It's not a vow of poverty. It's not rushing out to buy white modern furniture from Ikea. <laughs> simplicity is simply calling out this toxic lie of materialism and says, I will be happy when I get this. And say, I'm going to intentionally learn to live on less. I am going to say, with Jesus as my strength, enough is enough. The clothes I have is enough. I don't need anything new. I can live with less. And watch this. I'm going to be better than happy. I will be content. Perfectly at peace with my station in life. Like whether you're single and it's your first job, or maybe you're divorced and starting over, you're like, I don't actually need to buy one more thing to feel a deep satisfaction in the fiber of my soul. Simplicity says, I am making space, room in my life for the most important things, which aren't things at all. They're relationships with your family, with your partner, with your kids, and most of all, with your Father in heaven. See, Contentment is counterculture, and it doesn't come from what you own. It comes from who owns you. You are a beloved child of God. You have been saved by grace, and Jesus Christ, watch this, has given you the riches of heaven. You now have everything. You've got your sins forgiven, a purpose for living. you got a home in heaven. What more do you need? Your soul can be content. Take a deep breath. Say content. Content. Who doesn't want that? right? Like we all want to live like that. We all want a simpler life where we're not compulsively shopping or drowning in debt or worrying how we're going to make our bills or loans because we pushed way past our credit limit. So if you're with me on that, and I know most of you are, I want you to lean in because I understand like talking about this kind of stuff can feel heavy, but just this is a guilt-free zone, all right? Everyone say guilt-free. Guilt-free. No shame. No shame. You don't ever feel condemned about this. We're just trying to help you. And so here's the deal. If you're like, Tim, I would love simplicity. Like, but how do I get there? How do I make financial breathing room? Show me. I'm going to demonstrate this to you. I put this in your notes on the mobile app. We made a little chart for all the visual learners, okay? So follow along on the big screen here. I'm going to put up my magic chart. Here we go. All right. So this thing over here represents, let's say this represents money. This represents time. Everyone say money. money. Say time. Money. This is your money. This is your time. I'm going to go over this very slow. In your life, over the course of your lifetime, hopefully, your income will look something like this. It will go up and to the right. Now, that's not always happened like that way, 
but generally speaking, you're going to receive an income or a salary in your, in your adult life, and hopefully it's going to increase as the years go by. Now, some of you may say, well, that, that ain't like that, Tim. It's not that steep for me. That, just illustration, okay, people? Uh, this could be thousands of dollars, could be hundreds of dollars. It doesn't matter the amount you make. It could be 10000 50000 100000 whatever. I understand for some of you, you're like, yeah, it's gone like that. Others of you are like, no, mine's like, uh, you know, it's, kind of, it's up and down, up and down. <laughs> some of you are just like, Tim, it's like, I get it. Everyone with me? Hopefully, generally, money increases over time in your life. Now, in an ideal world, if you want breathing room, your spending would look something like this. It would fall below your income line. You would say, I'm going to live on less. I, I'm not going to build a bigger barn. I'm not going to rent storage space or turn the garage into a storage space. We're going to live with less because as my income goes up, my spending is going to stay below. And guess what? If you do this, you know what there would be? A little thing called breathing room. Everyone go, oh. wouldn't that be awesome if that was you in 2020? Like you, you just like, I, I, you'd feel lighter. You, at, you'd get to the end of the month. You'd say, man, look how much we made. Look how much we spent. And holy moly, look how much we saved. Hey, you know what? I think we might be able to pay for college after all. Or, or you know what? I, I think we could take vacation this year. If you have this breathing room between these two spaces, all of a sudden something happens you didn't see coming, the car breaks down, someone gets sick or lower hours at work, whatever. Guess what happens? Life gets stressful, but I'm not stressed because I got breathing room. I can handle it. Isn't that nice? Isn't that what we all want? Guess what? It's what God wants for you too. Because you know what happens here? You don't fight with your spouse as much. <laughs> you don't lose sleep worrying how you're going to pay for it all. You don't worry about am I being a good dad or mom because I don't really have a legacy to leave my kids. Instead, you start becoming relationally rich with God. Because you have more time, you have more uh, generosity towards others. You choose contentment, simplicity. Watch this. You raise your quality of life by lowering your standard of living. That's God's plan for you. Now, let me show you where most Americans are living. If you're the average American, you are probably living, let me squeeze these two lines, right here, <laughs> right? Right up to the limit, right? Typically, when our income goes up, so does our spending. So if you make $40,000, you're like, I'm going to spend $40,000, or thirty-nine, nine, nine, nine. you know, whatever it is. If I make a $50,000, i am going to spend $50,000, $100,000, $100,000, doesn't matter, $200,000, $300,000, doesn't matter. In fact, here's the funny thing. Did you know this? The more money you make, the more pressure you feel. I'm serious. This is going to surprise some of you who are like, you know, you're like, hey, man, I make $30,000. Because you're thinking like, if I just had more income, this pressure would go away. You're not going to believe this because I talk with people who are like all over the place. Did you know that if you make like $250,000 a year and your spending keeps pace with your income, you still feel financial pressure? In fact, if you're sitting here and you think, man, yeah, sure, Tim, I, I, I hear about all these rich people, you know, make, you know, 100, 250,000. If I was making $250,000, I'd be throwing the money out the window, man. I'd, I'd like make it rain. I'd be rich. Guess what? I've talked with those people. People who make $250,000 a year and they spend it right up to the line with no buffer in their budget, they feel the exact same pressure you do. In fact, they tell me, Tim, it's even worse. You know why? Because if you lose a $30,000, $40,000 a year job, you can probably find another one. You lose a $250,000 a year job, much harder to come by. You lose a three, dollars $400,000 a year job. I'm just, I'm just telling you like, whoa, man, it's just the way it works in America. 
The more money people make when their spending tracks right along with their income, pressure multiplies. It doesn't diminish. There are people in this church who would tell you they're making more money than they ever thought possible, but there's no peace in their life. There's no peace in their home, in their marriage. And then just keep, I know this is uncomfortable, just keep tracking. And then there's those of us, I used to live like this in my 20s. There's those of us who are like this. Right up the coat, there we go. You know what this, this sounds like? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Right, like I, like I get it. Sometimes, you know, your income drops, you can't help whatever, or you lose your job. But let's be honest, most of the time, Americans, we borrow and spend our way into oblivion because something looks awesome and, and new and shiny, and I've never, I, I have to have Baby Yoda. I just, <laughs> right? It's not the little stuff. It's not the little tchotchkes. It's, it's, I had to get, you know, you got the car and everything, and I had to get the leather. I know the lease is a little high. And now there's all this pressure and stress, and I'm preaching with Baby Yoda. Isn't that awesome? Look at that. It's just kind of like all the Mandalorian fans like, woo, all right. And there's this tension in your home because you start fighting over finances and now there's friction in the marriage and, and it's like, well, she can't buy that and he can't, he can't drive that or we can't pay for that. Our kids can't go to school there or we can't vacation there. And all of a sudden there's stress because watch, life is upside down. But lean in, there is always hope. It is never too late. Say it's never too late. Never too late. There's hope here. I'm going to show you in a second. It's very interesting. In the Bible... Right after Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. He gives a pointed warning. He says, watch out, watch out. Those who want to get rich fall into what? Say it, church. Temptation and a? It's a trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. In other words, when you buy stuff you don't need with money you don't have, you have fallen for the oldest trick in the book. This is wedged in here. I can't even get stuff out. It's amazing. You have taken on debt. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's because it's not this little stuff. You're driving a car. You're like, who talked me into this? I, I, can't, I couldn't get rid of this thing if I tried. Some of you are stuck in an upside down uh, you know, a place where you, where you bought and you went a little bit higher than what you could sustain and all of a sudden you're like, you've got this, this living place you can't sell. And now you're upside down with a noose around your neck and a lease or a mortgage. I, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. No, no condemnation. This is just how the world works. It's a spiritual principle. Paul writes, for the love of money, notice it's not money, is not evil. The love of money and buying stuff, it's all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many. What's the word? What's grief mean? It means you feel what? Sad. You know why? Because you woke up one day and you realized, like, I got a wardrobe full of clothes that, man, this was once, look at this, just, this was once so cool. This was, like, on point. And then, like, most ladies in America, at some point you open the closet and you're like, I don't have anything to... Where, when three quarters of the developing world are like, can I just have one thing, queen, from your wardrobe? Because I'll wear that thing until it's threadbare my whole life. You know what the Bible says about folks who live in the red, chronically in debt? It doesn't say you're a fashionista. It says you're a slave. It's the reason they call it slave to fashion. Proverbs says, the borrower 
is what? Say it together. Slave to the lender. You're no longer running your life. That's what a slave is. It means now bills and banks are running your life. Citibank or MasterCard are calling the shots. They're running your life now. In fact, you are now a slave listener to people and institutions. You don't even know. They don't know you. They, they all, but they get to call your shots with money and time because they control your freedom. You can't take a day off. You can't take, take the time off. You can't fund your long-term dreams. This is what I really want to do with my life. You can't fund your children's dreams. You, you can't follow God if he asks you to go do something because there's, there's, there's no breathing room for it. See, guys, if you're a follower of Christ, this is a spiritual issue. It's not a financial issue. The truth is you can't live in the freedom that Jesus died to give you when you're a slave to runaway spending. You just got to get good and angry and say, you know what, enough is enough. Because I want breathing room, and that's where the peace is. That's where the rest is. That's where contentment is. All the things that materialism promises but can never deliver. Now, I'm going to hit pause here because I, I sense it getting quiet. <laughs> if you're like getting a little bit close to home, this is just this is time out, okay? If you're sitting here, you're feeling like shameful or you're in debt or something like that. If you feel condemnation, don't. Those are false feelings. You know, the Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. God's not giving you condemnation today. He wants to give you contentment. He says godliness with contentment, it's great gain. I mean, it's got all these hidden benefits because suddenly you have the room to be relationally rich with others. You can be generous with your time and money. All your relationships end up being like, ah, you're not so worried and like torqued up about money and stuff. Your mind can relax. Your body can rest. Your soul can open up to God because if God says go, you can go. You got the margin to do it. Or if he says, stay, I want you to stay in a city where it's actually very expensive. I want you to stay even though your job wants to take you somewhere else. If you've got the peace of life in you, it's the life of Christ. That's contentment. It doesn't come through more stuff. It comes through the spiritual practice known as simplicity. All right. Some of you are like, Tim, awesome, great. Wish I heard this 10 years ago. Right? Some of you feel that way. It's not too late. I told you that. Guys, you can take small steps this year and change your whole spiritual legacy this decade. I want to teach you how to simplify. If you're like, Tim, I love the idea, but how do you develop the spiritual muscle of simplicity in your life in a practical way? I'm going to give you four steps. I listed these in your notes. I'm going to go kind of quick, and there's stuff people are asking me afterwards, like, where is that? Okay. The first is this. You have to make a fundamental vow in your soul. You say 2020 is a year. We are deciding to live on less. Everyone say, live on less. We ain't going to build a bigger barn. We ain't renting a storage unit. It's not about getting more income. Watch this. If you want to raise your quality of life, the only way to do it is lower your standard of living. You got to do the opposite of what the Kardashians teach you. Right? They say, raise your quality of life by raising your standard of living. More stuff, more happiness. Ain't true. That's the lie. More stuff equals more stress. So watch. If you, want to if you want to lower your standard of living, that's what's going to elevate your standard of life. And here's the thing. It takes discipline. You know that you could raise your standard of living with debt? You can just say, I'm going to get all this stuff. You can do that tomorrow. Like those of you who got, right? Debt. The only raise you, way you raise your quality of life is through discipline. You make a disciplined decision. says, we're going to live on less. Even if my income goes up, my standard of living doesn't. It stays the same or lower. Now, I know what some of you are thinking because you're like, Tim, discipline, that's the problem. I'm just, I'm just not a disciplined person. You know what? D 
Like, just get angry, you know? Just like, just get, just like, I am not living in crazy time anymore. You just got to get pissed and say, man, come on. We're going to do this different this year. This is not the year. Wait a minute. What was, the, oh, Chewbacca. <laughs> Some good stuff in here, man. That's my, no, we're not going to, no, to focus, focus. And we're, we're going to, doesn't, doesn't it? Oh, doesn't that even feel better just looking at it? You got to get good and angry and actually say, 2020, I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm not going to blame the economy. I'm not going to blame my boss. I'm not going to blame politics. I'm not going to blame my... In 2020, I am the one who makes my decisions. You know, I've made some mistakes. That's okay. There's grace. There's forgiveness. In 2020, though, we're going to do whatever it takes because I want breathing room between my income and my spending. If you want to raise your quality of life, you've got to live on less. And then here's step number two. Track your spending. Track your spending. Make this the year that you finally figure out where your money is actually going instead of wondering where it went. I hear people all the time, they say, Tim, I have income problems. <laughs> In it comes, out it goes. I'm like, that's not the problem. The problem is this. Where it goes, ain't nobody know. <laughs> Do you know this? Most Americans have no idea right now. I'm not going to embarrass you and say, turn to your neighbor. What? <laughs> it's true. I didn't for many years, decades. No idea what percent of our income we live on. Because ignorance is bliss. So you got to get practical and drill down. Here's a practical step. This week, I'm going to encourage you, download a money management app like Every Dollar by Dave Ramsey. All right? This is, Mint is one of those programs. It's a free app. Okay? These are super useful tools that can help you track your spending and set up a basic budget. I was talking to a young woman. She's like, I just got my first job. I'm, you know, 25 and, and like I'm finally making an income. And she's like, this, this, this is what I need to do. I'm like, you just, you were, I can't believe this. I said this like, you know, when I was 35. But you need super simple baby steps you can take. And we can help you. I want to recommend these to you because Colleen and I use them. We've used the app Mint. And now we use Every Dollar by Dave Ramsey. And we've had hundreds of families get out of debt, by the way, through Financial Peace University, which we're offering this spring. But this year, you have to intentionally decide, listen to me, what percent of our income are we going to live on? And then what percent do we want for breathing room? Okay, watch. Go back to our little chart. You see the breathing room here? This, this space here. You got to say, what percent do we want this to be in our life? Like, is, is it going to be 5% of breathing room? If you're married, you got to talk about this with your spouse, okay, or, or with your family. You decide, do we want 10%? Do we want, do we want to live on 80% and, and, and have 20% breathing room? What is God calling you to do about it this year? And you got to put that stake in the ground and just say, you know what, in 2020, we're going to track our money and we're going to have a specific goal in mind to aim for this year. Because debt comes naturally, but discipline takes tools. You got to do the math. You got to track your spending and then practice simplicity. Everyone say simplicity. If you go to TED Talks right now and you type in Simplicity or minimalism, you'll get like dozens of talks. So let me just clarify this. This is a buzzword in our culture. A lot of people call it minimalism. But again, it's not buying, you know, white modern angular furniture or being on point with your decor. It's not the sushi isn't buying more stuff. You got that. Simplicity is saying, I am going to unclutter my life. I am going to unclutter my finances. I am going to unclutter this closet. There are things here that I haven't worn in 12 months. There's things here that like, this is a referee. What, well, I'm going to un unclutter everything. 
and reassemble and say, God, what do I need? Less clothes, less gadgets, less stuff, more prayer, more joy, more peace, more <sighs> breathing room, freedom, time for loving relationships. Now, if this is new to you and you're like, Tim, that would be awesome. Some, I know some, some women are like, you know, elbow in your husband, like, I know what we're doing this afternoon. Just follow me. It's not just, it's a metaphor, people. All right, listen. Three baby steps to practice simplicity if you've never done it. The first is this, taking notes. Never, 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 never. Impulse buy. It is stunning how much money we spend Spur of the moment, just because we sit, you know, see that, you know, the, the new Nikes that we just have to have, or, or that new frock, like, that would look awesome, like, at night to shine. Oh, my gosh, it's for Jesus. I, uh. <laughs> Not that I have any experience with that conversation in my house. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Have you ever, you know what feels better than buying something new at the store? Knowing I want to buy it and going home without it. Because you wake up the next morning, what happens? The emotion passes. And so here's the principle. The larger the item you think about purchasing, the longer you should wait for it. You wait and you actually, I'm going to encourage you to pray over it and say, Lord, do I really need this? And then when you do buy, you always ask this question. Do I really need this? I love this. This is kind of the, the, the simplicity thing. There's an English designer, his name is William Morris. And um, he said, have nothing in your house that you do not believe to be useful or beautiful. So it's got to be either useful or beautiful. Because most of the stuff in our lives, let's be honest, is just tchotchkes, right? Like there's stuff in here and there's like, like you're like, oh, that's my, my Starbucks mugs collection from every city I visited. Right? You, like, you really need that thing? You're like, oh, that's my, oh, the hitch by Will Smith. That's a cinema classic. Happy birthday there, Mima, all right? You actually listen to this, and then this is the biggest one for Americans, hard for us. In, learn to enjoy things without owning them. One quirk of American culture is that we think we need to own something to enjoy it. Newsflash, you don't. Do you love books? You don't have to go to Amazon. There is this room in your town. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> It's called a library. And you just go there and they give you the book. You're like, can I, can I keep it? You're like, yeah, two weeks. If you want more, than, take as long as you want. Just bring it back, okay? It's free, guys. Some of you are like, where am I going to get the margin? To, you can't afford a gym membership. Open the front door and you start, just start moving your legs real fast. <laughs> it's called jogging, people. You can do this. I'm, like, I'm serious. Like, share stuff with other people instead of buying it. Like, why? <laughs> Who wants to go jogging with Pastor Tim tomorrow? <laughs> why buy a snowblower if your next-door neighbor has one? Right? Seri I'm serious. <laughs> like, split the cost of gas and share it with them. You know that? Like, guys, you and I are living in what's called the sharing economy, right? Uber, we share rides. VRBO, we share houses. Did you know the book Acts says the early Christians started the sharing economy? It says they were so set free by Jesus of their grip to materialism, they began sharing their homes and property and possessions with each other. In fact, one early church father said this. This is a great quote. It's so salty. 
just listen to this. He was describing the early Christians because they were called a cult. He said, the Christians hold everything in common except their wives. <laughs> Think about that. I love that. They, they were liberal with their wealth, but not their morals. That's Christian simplicity. It says, less is more, more peace, more generosity, more room for God and those I love. So do whatever it takes. Get angry. I got to live below my means, not within, definitely not over. And, and can I just say this? Stop comparing yourself with other people. Just like you're off Instagram, so that's a win, okay? Don't, don't try to keep up with the Joneses, okay? Do you hear about the Joneses, by the way? They're broke, all right? Like newsflash, guys. But screw the Joneses. Practice simplicity and pursue, last one, contentment. Notice I didn't say pursue happiness. Don't get confused. That's the American dream. It literally says it. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. American dream. Biblical dream, pursue contentment. You're going to leave this place in a couple minutes, and you're going to get in a car, and you're going to turn on you know, football and watch all these ads that are going to try to convince you, buy this, drive that, live here, travel there. Then you'll be happy. Happiness is always temporary. Contentment is eternal. Contentment's like next level. Paul says, godliness with contentment, oh, great gain. This is a state of like deep soul satisfaction. Like, man, the Lord is my portion. I, I shall not want. You could try to sell me all this extra stuff and everything, but you know what? Enough is enough. What I have is enough, and Christ is enough for me. What well, God give? Give God a praise. He really is. You're the richest person in the world. I'm just telling you. Because of Christ, you can say, you know what? The, the clothes in my closet are enough. The car I drive is enough. The place I live is enough. Enough is enough. I'm content because if I have Jesus, I don't need anything else. That's where true contentment comes from. It's, it's this deep down in your soul. Your soul encounters the spirit of God and he just dawns on you. I am the richest person on earth. I have an eternal relationship with the living God, some that can never be taken from me. Last verse, I just close with this. I love this connection. I've never seen this before. Hebrews 13 talks about contentment and the source of it. Watch this connection. It says, be content with what you have because God has said, here's the reason, because God has said, I will increase your credit limit. <laughs> That's not what it says. Let's read it together, church. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. What's the source of true contentment? Jesus is your source. He gave his life for you, so now you can live free. He, he paid your debt of sin. Those are economic terms. And now he says, I'm going to give you everything you need for a purposeful, fulfilling life. Guys, you have it all. Your sins are forgiven. He's given you a purpose for living. You have a home in heaven. And he said, I will never leave you. I am with you always. And that's all you need. Amen? Amen. Guys, don't you want that? I, I pray you do. Guys, this week is like a perfect week to make some changes. To take some simple steps to simplify in 2020. So I'm just going to encourage you. And I just want to, for those of you who are like, please get rid of the rest of it. And just get it all out of there, there. Okay? First, decide we're going to live on less. That's the number one thing. Look at it. Get it all out. Come on. Come on. This is, Joe, this is all you. We're, give that to Joe. Pass that over there. Give that to Joe. Okay, there you go. Thank you so much. We're going to live on less. And listen to this. We're going to track our spending. We're going to talk about this at lunch as a, as a family. We're going to download that, you know, 
uh, app every dollar. And we're going to get disciplined. We're going to practice simplicity. We're actually going to say, you know what, enough is enough. Let's, let's start fresh. It's not just a new year. It's a new decade. And we're going to pursue contentment. Because with Christ, I got everything I need. You know what? My soul has what? <sighs> Breathing room. Guys, I hope this series has been a breath of fresh air for you. It's, it, take it with you, though. Take it with you. Don't just say, interesting January series, let's move on. Take it with you. Live it out. May 2020 be the year of breathing room. In every area of your life and family, your time, your calendar, your schedule, your work-life rhythm, your finances. Because, listen, it's going to be 2030 in 10 years. And you might be able to look back and say, man, that decade went differently. Because in 2020, I, I received from God the gift of breathing room. Amen? Let's receive it. Let's put our hands out right now and ask God to give us a spirit to put his word in action. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your truth. Uh, Lord, I just acknowledge, Father, your, your, your truth is convicting. But, Lord, I pray that it would be a good, healthy conviction. God, just break off any false feelings of guilt or shame if we're in debt or have made poor choices. We've all been there. That's why we're here. We're coming to you now to right our ship. And so, Father, I pray right now for marriages that are under stress, Father God. Would you break through, Father God, with a spirit of unity around this idea of breathing room in the family? God, I pray for those who are in debt. Lord, we have seen hundreds of families set loose, set free from the shackles of consumer debt in this church. We praise you for it. I pray that this would be a year of breakthrough, Father God. I pray for people who are getting new jobs, that it wouldn't be about the promise of more income, Father, but choosing a, a lifestyle that's sustainable and open to you. And God, I just want to pray um, in faith prophetically for the next generation. God, I, I believe right now maybe there's teenagers or there's 20-somethings hearing this message right now, and they're going to make a decision to swim against the culture. Empower them, God, so they may live free, Father God, not shackled by their culture, the, the world's um, gospel, Father God, but now their lives are open to you. Lord, some of us wish we heard it 20 years ago. They're hearing it now. So drive the truth deep into their hearts. Father God, as we open ourselves to you now, we commit the remainder of this fast. Do something internal in us. Even when we can't see it, you're working. So Father God, let us leave here filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed, set forth. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a praise, church.